All right, well, certainly good to see a large crowd today. Um, who remembers two years ago doing this at home at 6 a.m.? That wasn't the best, was it? And I remember it, I read about the same, or part of the same passage I was going to read here in just a minute. And I talked about how the disciples were locked away in their houses, confused and worried about the future. But we're all here, right? Um, so we're glad, glad today to be here. I want to begin and read out of John 20. I'm going to read uh, the whole chapter. <clears throat> so now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures, that he must be raised from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there, sorry, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he had said these things to her. On the evening of the same day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the marks of his nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. 
And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not and yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so here we have in the 20th chapter of the book of John an account of the resurrection of Christ. And I wanted just to go over briefly each of these different encounters. Because at some point in your life, you will encounter Jesus Christ. Whether it's your intention or not, whether you're looking for him or not, whether you're reading the scriptures or simply walking by yourself, whatever it is, at some point you will experience an encounter with the God who made you. And how you respond to that may vary across different aspects and different things. And what we see here is varying different responses. And so I want to go back to the disciples. They are sitting in a room, scared, alone, with the door locked, right? Like I mentioned, we all were maybe two years ago. Now, they had already been told that uh, Jesus had risen. And in fact, it was later that night. So this is early in the morning. We're here at daylight to uh, symbolically remember the time when Christ rose and the women went to the tomb and found it empty. And later that afternoon, after they've been told by now several disciples and several women that Christ is alive, they are back in a room sitting with their door locked, waiting. And what happens? Christ comes to them. And he comes to them and says, believe and have peace. And so we might find ourselves at different points in our life, maybe hiding, locked away, worried about the future, concerned about what's coming, and Christ will come to us and give us that peace that we so desperately need. That peace that cannot come through any other manner than by Christ walking through a locked door, standing in our presence and saying, peace to us. And that peace is peace that we can have today. Now, the other, I think, amazing part of this story is the two disciples who ran to the tomb, right? So Mary's going to the tomb, and she's going to there to finish the preparation for the body of Christ. They had to call it short because the Passover, they wanted to obey the law. And so she was going back on the first day of the week to fulfill the rest of the burial rituals. And she shows up, and the tomb is empty, and no one's there. She runs back to get the disciples, and Peter and John begin a foot race, if you will, to get to the tomb. Now, one of them's a little bit older than the other, and one of them outruns the other. So John, being a slightly younger, apparently, outruns Peter to the tomb. I have no idea how far away this was, but if I think about it, I can almost see the desperation in them to see what has gone on. Now, mind you, again, we think of this and we think, well, of course, we know that Christ has come back to life. Their thought was probably, again, as it says here, they didn't understand the scriptures that he would be raised to dead, to life. They're probably thinking someone has taken him. So they're running with all their might back to the tomb. One of them outruns the other. But when John gets there, he waits. He stands outside the tomb. He doesn't go in. And the Bible says that he looks. So let me read this here. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, this is John, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. And so doing a little investigation, 
the word where it says that he saw the, the, the clothes, the burial clothes laying there, means basically what we think of today. He just looked in and he saw it. And while he was standing there, probably thinking about this, I don't know how long it took, Peter catches up. And Peter, if you remember Peter, everybody's got to love Peter, he's just reckless, right? When he sees Christ, he's on the boat, he just jumps in the water and takes off, right? We, we know this about Peter. He's apt to just cut somebody's ear off. He doesn't delay a minute. He just runs right into the tomb. And so he comes up behind John. He runs right in. But Peter, on the other hand, the word to describe Peter, when he's talking about he looked around, it says basically a better interpretation is he carefully examined. He probably looked at the clothing. He stood inside the tomb. He looked around. He looked if there was a corner to see if there was anywhere that Christ could go. He carefully examined what the evidence was. And then both men left. But there's something that distinguishes both of these men. So it says in the end of uh, this section in the book of John. So then the other disciple, which is John, who had reached the tomb first, when also went in, he saw and believed. So John, being maybe the more mature one, if you want to call it that or whatever, right? He has to simply look at the evidence, not based on scripture, not remembering, oh, God said that he would raise him from the dead, but knowing based on what he sees and believes instantly, right? Has faith in who God is based on seeing the evidence and believes. And it says as much in verse 10, I'm sorry, verse nine. Um, then the other disciple to reach the tomb first, also went in, he saw and believed, as for yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead, and then the disciples went back to their home. You can come to faith in God in many ways. John considered the evidence, saw the things that were going on, and believed very quickly. But not Peter. Peter went in, he wanted to touch it, he wanted to look at things. He wanted to examine everything, carefully inspect it. But Peter didn't have the same response that John did. So let me turn over to Luke, which is another account of the resurrection. Luke 24 and 12, it says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stopping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Or another translation says, wondering. So John came to faith very quickly. Peter went in and carefully examined everything he could and left wondering what had happened. Now we're not done yet because then there's Thomas. And poor Thomas gets a bad rap sometimes, doesn't he? What do we call him? We call him Doubting Thomas. And really this seems to be the only time that we know much about Thomas and much that he doubted. Tradition tells us that he died for his Lord later on. But Thomas wasn't with the rest of them when they were locked in their room. And so he had to wait eight days. Eight days he hears the testimony of the women, of the disciples, of whoever Jesus appeared to. And he appeared to a lot of people during this time. And he is waiting to see for himself. And we can look down and say, well, that's horrible to doubt. But in reality, I don't know that it is. He's asking for some type of proof, some type of uh, understanding of what happened. And so he's with them this time. Again, you'll note the doors are locked and Christ just appears. And he says to Thomas, peace be with you. 
And he said to them exactly what Thomas needed. Now, again, remind you, they didn't have this conversation. How did Christ know that Thomas was doubting and had said, unless I see him for myself, I will not believe. Unless I put my finger in the nail holes in his hands, will I not believe? But Christ knew what Thomas needed. He appeared and said to him, go ahead. And Thomas gives the amazing answer. He says, my Lord and my God. You see, when Christ appeared to Thomas, that fulfilled what Thomas's question was. He no longer had to physically put his hand in the wounds because he then believed that Christ had been raised. So what does all this mean? We see here differences. Oh, I skipped Mary. Hold on. I want to skip Mary. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now, I've always wondered how this exactly worked. It doesn't seem very nice that the disciples would wait for her to run back, right? And then she went back with them, and then they just like run off and leave her there by herself. It sounds like that's what happened. Whatever it was that happened, she seems to be there, and she seems to have this encounter with a couple of angels who say to her amazing words. Who are you looking for? Why are you here? And so she begins to interact with these angels and unknowingly with Christ. She has no idea she's talking to the Son of God, that he's been raised, that he's there. And he looks at her and says, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And she replies, thinking he's the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. She's so desperate to find him that she's going to go get him no matter where he's at. And this is the beautiful part. She didn't recognize him, but then he calls her by name. And all of a sudden, the veil, whatever you want to call it, was lifted, and she knows who it is. And so he simply says to her, Mary. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that I think that's when these people were saved. But what I'm trying to tell you is that all of us in our own ways at different times and in different ways have come to know the Lord. And for some of us, we're afraid locked in a room and Christ shows up in our lives and witnesses to us in a way that we can truly put our faith and believe in him. Other of us will doubt and doubt and doubt and demand the Lord demonstrate who he is. And I pray that at some point that that occurs. But remember the rest of the story of Thomas because Christ tells him, he says, Have you believed because you've seen me? But blessed are those who have not seen me. So you can ask the Lord all you want to to come physically stand in your presence. It's very unlikely to happen. And blessed are those of us who've come to know him who haven't seen such things. We can be the ones who race to the tomb, desperate to find out the truth. And we can stand just outside the tomb and carefully look inside. 
or we can be the one who rushes headlong in recklessly demanding to see all the evidence and all of the proof, searching the scriptures thoroughly, proving this from that, understanding how Christ is in the Old Testament and what it means in the New and whether he uh, came back to life and how he lived his life, carefully examining everything and eventually coming to faith, or we can simply look at the mere reality of what we see. You can hear one sermon, one story about Jesus Christ and come to believe in him. Or you can be like Mary and stand weeping, searching for the Savior and waiting until he says your name. Mary. See, at some point we all have to respond to however Christ deals with us. We don't always get to choose the circumstances. And of course, there's many other ways that God can interact with you. But there's only one way that you can come to know him. And that said as much at the end of this chapter. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So whether you're locked away and hiding inside, whether you're racing to the tomb and have a hard time believing what you see and want to carefully examine, for some of us, salvation came somewhat easy. Whether you have to have Jesus call you by name, whatever your circumstance, the reality is hearing the gospel Understanding that we are here today, not because Jesus Christ just died and stayed dead, but we are here today because he rose and is no longer in the grave. He is seated at the right hand of God and at some point will come back for all of us. And it is our faith in that that will save us. And I don't know where you see yourself in this story, what you think you'd do. I'm sure I'd be like the rest of them and I'd be hiding in a room, locked away, worried about what's coming next. And let us not forget, some of these men and women gave up everything to follow him. You remember John had the catch of his life, so much fish, his boat was sinking, and he walked away. And then Christ died. I can't imagine the confusion that would have been on their minds and on their hearts. But I'm sure it was there. I'm sure there was concern about what would happen next. But when Christ comes back and calls you by name, when Christ comes back and says, don't doubt anymore, when Christ leaves evidence behind that proves of who he is, whenever he speaks into your heart and you have peace, you have peace that passes all understanding. And so I want to play a